Oh, VAR are having a look at this. Oh dear, oh dear. He might be in trouble here. Right, guys, so it's a bit of a very unique special edition of the VAR pod uh, via Zoom, which seems to be the, uh, you know, the video conferencing. If it's not MS Teams, if it's not, what was it, House Party at one stage, it's turned to Zoom, but everyone's still staying connected. Um, guys, just worth us obviously chatting about what's going on in the world of sport and the world of football in particular. I know the priority at the minute for everyone is health and safety, making sure everyone's good, but. Obviously, it's an ever-changing landscape. News is still coming out of sort of the footballing world. And there's still little bits that we can talk about that sort of hit the headlines in the past few weeks. So, worth us getting together. Um, I don't know who wants to start, guys, but um, Josh, Jake and CJ with us for this edition. Um, First of all, I think the big thing to start off with is everyone's opinions on the current season. So, looking at the Premier League... Uh, majority of teams uh, have still a number of games to play. Most of them have nine, some have ten, still lots to be decided. So who here at least wants to kick us off and, and with their thoughts on, can you void and null, null and void a season or do we have to find a way of finishing off the nineteen twenty campaign? I think it's a situation of um, 19 teams in the Prem probably would be happy to void the season and say, let's start fresh. There's one team at the top that are lights out from everyone else that would absolutely kick off. And I think legal action would come out if Liverpool didn't win the Prem because we've called it off. But that's that's where you get into it because there's stipulations already in the football rulebook about this happening that 75% of games have to be played and 75% of games haven't been played yet. And now, obviously, I'm biased because I'm a Villa fan. And we, we, Arsenal, City and Sheffield United are the teams that are holding this up, basically. Because mm. if we play our game in hand, suddenly we're over 75% and then Liverpool can get the title. I think you've got to give them the title. But void the season. Yeah, Everyone you... who's top of their league right now, give them the title, void the season, start fresh next season. Mm. What about promotions and relegations? Yeah, well, yeah. Um, you, now you can't because, like Preston was saying, um, that they could put a run together. You don't know. Mm. And they can get into the playoffs, you know, a couple of the championship teams. So I think that's a bit too, uh, I don't know. But whoever's top of the league right now, fair enough. You're top of the league, aren't you? He's top of, he's top of um, championship right now. Yeah, uh, West Brom and Leeds. Yeah, yeah. By, by by some distance, actually, to the to the chasing playoff, the four in the purse. So is it then all in the Premier League? Do you say bottom two go down, and then them top two go? Are you third? Play- you <laughs> are you third from bottom? Yeah, they definitely are. I think. Second, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know. I actually don't know. It's been that long. Uh, yeah, it's a tough one. Uh, there's hints that people are suggesting that you can award a team with the title, but that doesn't mean they've won the league. So, this, like you say, really, Jake, there's ways of... I mean, it's a suggestion that people are saying they're that much of a... Especially in Liverpool's case, a runaway leader, that you can still award them with the title. Everyone would agree that they're, they're champions in waiting. But there's always going to be that asterisk next to their name if you don't complete the season. It'll feel a little mm. hollow, I'm sure, at Anfield or when that open top bus eventually is allowed to go around the street to Liverpool that they never completed the season so I think there's an appetite particularly from the Premier League and the governing bodies the EFL and FIFA and UEFA hence why they moved the Euros to really get this done come hell or high water I think they want to play the remainder of their games which is why they obviously like I say they, they delayed the Euros for a year to give them a little bit of leeway in terms of June and July to finish it off um, one or two little rumblings that I've heard potentially looking at the first two weeks of June to return. I'd imagine it would be behind closed doors. Just, I mean, it takes one player or one team to have a few players who are tested positive for coronavirus. And then, you know, you're going to have to play two, three games a week. So then you're affecting other teams and other players. So I think it's a real tough one to, to police. CJ, I don't know what your thoughts are, but just on how you manage filling out the rest of at least completing this season and playing the rest of these games that we've got left? From a health perspective, purely just from my background, I generally don't think it's wise or possible to do it. Like, 
when you're looking at it, just as just as you just said, like it just takes one player to have it, then okay, you can do it behind closed doors. All these people still going back to their families, still going home, still got wives, kids that they're potentially putting at risk. What are you going to do? You're going to isolate all the players and say, just in case you may have picked it up from so-and-so in the squad that you can't now go home for a period of two weeks. I just don't think from like a human element and like a life perspective that it's possible to do it regardless. I still think June, July is still quite early. Like in terms of the whole Corona thing, we don't actually know how bad it is, whether we, whether we have hit this peak and whether it will drop. I've just read something about five, 10 minutes ago about apparently China have had a second wave. We could even yeah. have a second wave by then. I think it's, you put in too many lives at risks and we're always scapegoating footballers just for money, let's say. It's the only, if there was no money involved, they probably would have called the season off. It's purely, mainly probably because there's so much money involved in the Premier League, TV rights, etc., etc. But you're putting human life and people at risk. So I know it's probably not what people want to hear and see, but I just want to look at from a life and a human being's perspective that it might not be feasible right now. In terms of what you do, it's going to be very difficult because it has a knock-on effect on the next season. Or So then do you just void it completely or just end the season as it is? And hopefully by August, September, things are kind of back to normality. We don't even know now if things are going to be normal then, do we? So it's very difficult to say. But from, from a human and health perspective, think it's very difficult i find it very difficult to see how and where they're going to do it without legal action and stuff like that coming in it's it's a hard one i don't think it's a win a winnable situation no matter what way you look at it well that's the thing so you, you just mentioned there about how next season as well if if they are talking about starting the season again in what june july time Obviously, that's going to shorten the pre-season gap. What's going to happen to the start of next season? Are they going to push that back? Yeah. And then does that then spill over closer to the Euros? Because there's already an argument now when you're looking... Well, remember the World Cup year when Harry Kane played all them games for England? Had No, all them games for Spurs had like one or two weeks at the end of the season, played all them games for England, and then he had like two or three weeks and then started the Premier game. Like what happens to next season with like the, the preseason training? Did the Euros get pushed back again? Even like, transfers. Yeah, transfers like what Pedro and William for Chelsea and plus others, their contracts expire this mm-hmm. summer. So what happens if you start the season and let's say it's like July first, their contracts expire? Are they Chelsea players? Can they stay? Can they play? Do they go? Like you even make a stand now and say we void the season or if you come out I think they need to say something but from a life point of view I, it's not worth it like imagine if you play behind closed doors and one player two players die like is it <laughs> what then yeah it's, yeah like Pep lost his uh, mother from it didn't he uh, yeah mm. yeah I think we're forgetting as well lads is that you see the end of next season you got the Euros, then the start of the season, then the World Cup in the January. Yeah, in the winter, yeah. So it's almost like the schedule's too packed as it is for them moving the Euros. But is they had a, to. Is there a case, Jay, that you can get rid of a League Cup or Cup competitions next season and then you play all the way through? You complete, you complete your League campaigns without any Cup competition. Instead of and, and completing this season? Yeah, so like you finish this season probably a month late, so potentially you finish this season, let's say if they started when they want, they want to start, you could finish it at the end of July. Players have sort of maybe August off, few, half of August off, you do a three-week pre-season and get yourself started in September, say mid-September time. So there you're a month behind what you'd normally be, a month to five weeks behind. But in the regular season of the 20, what would it be, 2021 season, one, maybe two of your domestic cup competitions will be dropped, which means you can complete your league campaigns in the weekends and midweeks in the regulation time, which means you wouldn't have a knock-on effect to the Euros. You could still finish next season at the, end, at the start of May. Alternatively, just dead, dead the season now. 
I think yeah. I'm dead in the season now. Yeah, yeah. That personally, yeah. like, I don't think we should like we should have an FA Cup next season. Like, this is just unfortunately yeah. a worldwide pandemic that no one can see coming. Yeah. We just have to adjust to it. Just like let's say the World War uh, Two, they they avoided the season then because suddenly they didn't know what to do. Don't know when it's going to return. Let's just avoid the season. We move on. Not saying it's as bad, but we just move on. And then next season we can start what August September maybe. Yeah. Imagine West Brom all these though, and you've got nine, eleven points on the other four, and you get in. You pretty much guaranteed yourself. You put yourself in the box seat for a promotion, and all the financial stuff that comes with with it. Do you think, like um, Josh said, potentially there's lawsuits on our hands in terms of this is unprecedented? And I get, I completely get what you're saying when it comes to this is extraordinary circumstances. Like this is a worldwide pandemic that nobody could foresee, but. I just feel like the league would be... I think the appetite to finish it is there because they're worried that too many teams would try and throw the book at them and take them into court for whatever reason, whether it be relegation or promotions. Especially when so much goes into it. Let's say clubs have gambled. So a bit like, I don't know, how Villa did in their third year, how Wolves had done before they went up Fulham. So let's say West Brom and Leeds budgeted to go up this season and then next season they haven't got any finances to throw it. This was their, their shit or bust, basically, to go up. And they've, they've achieved, for the most part, what they wanted to under the finances. And then now the rug gets pulled under them and say, you're not going up, we're just going to start again. And that leaves them a little bit in the, in the shit comics. Who's to say they were going up? Yeah, I'm just saying they put themselves in a great position, did not they? Yeah, I, I, I know that, but they could slip up in the same way as well. Mm. So they're not guaranteed going up anyway. So that's where the argument for a lawsuit, I think, is dead anyway. Unless it was like, let's say, Liverpool, who are comfortably clear or that even then they're not mathematically are they so they probably couldn't unless you're math, 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 uh, mathematically safe or you know you've got the title yeah. it, I think the conversation is dead because you could finish anywhere yeah, yeah that's true. and that's the thing I, I, I know what you mentioned there Dale about um, cup competitions for next season as well I think if you if next season they just say the Prem, just play all the Prem games and get rid of all the cup competitions, I think you'll get a massive amount of uproar from the other leagues below that look forward to those big occasions, that big turnover of cash. Like to yeah, some of them teams, that's like their cup final to host like a United away or a City away. Yeah. So I think if you had to scrap the FA Cup, League Cup, um, I think like anything from like league two to championship, you might have a lot of noise coming out saying, ah, oh, if we, especially the teams that did it last year that said, ah, oh, last year we reached the quarterfinals and we made this much money, you know, what about that part this year, potentially? Yeah. So I think you'll get backlash. <laughs> Still a load of unanswered questions. I think it's so difficult for the governing bodies and the leagues to navigate and keep everyone happy. So it's, um, it's a tough one. And t- thinking of, and talking of decisions to be made, I want to get your thoughts on clubs that are furloughing non-paying staff. So it's a hot topic at the moment. Um, just to bring you right up to date with sort of the developments. Um, so Bournemouth are the latest club to perform a bit of a U-turn on it. So now we just have Newcastle and Norwich. They're only remaining Premier League clubs to furlough some non-paying staff. So Liverpool and Spurs were the two high-profile clubs that done a big U-turn. Um, Bournemouth the latest to do so as well thoughts on this guys clubs that are using the government's furlough scheme to pay some of their non-playing stuff I mean a football club is still a business isn't it technically from a technical perspective and the way it's set up they're still technically a business so you can from yeah that perspective say yeah they can I guess people are seeing it from emotion and attachment and morally in terms of how much money they generate and the profits they generate should they be doing that and I think that's where the argument comes into it me personally it's almost which side am I on am I in my feelings or am I in what's technically right by the book because you can argue and say they are a business they can take advantage of that same way just like any other businesses, because there's probably other businesses out there that have got loads of profit, profits and they're furloughing their staff. So why you could say, I'm not saying I agree with anything, 
And you could say, so why aren't they being grilled for it? They might be pulling in X, Y, and Z. I guarantee probably Google and Amazon and them and probably furloughing staff. Maybe. I'm not saying they are because I haven't researched it, but when it depends what side you look at it from. Me personally, I think I'm sure most clubs are able enough to pay their staff. But yeah, it all depends what side and where your emotional or technical attachment is. At. But so the, I go back to Dale's point about the legal action. Oh, um, and you talk about the lawsuits, the loss of money, etc. Because, you know, match day incomes down, etc. Why not save money by furloughing people who are not key workers? So someone who works in a club shop, the club shop's closed. Yeah. Like, yeah. as a business, can you afford to pay them their full wage without them working? Probably. And then the knock-on effect. Yeah. It's the knock-on effect that people are forgetting on things. Mm. Yeah. Josh? It's not, it's not like clubs make loads and loads of profit each year. Some some clubs oh. are like orders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Some, like year to year. Like even not playing now, they're probably looking at, a couple of months is like, if we don't get any match day revenue in, like, yeah. we fucked. Yeah, and that's yeah. the thing. I, I agree with that. It's like, well, it's pretty much cash flow, money in versus money out. Yeah. So, from a business point of view, if you ain't got no money coming in, technically, I can't afford to pay people full wage because we've got no money coming in. And I know we've touched on it in the, in, um, the group chat a couple of times where we've mentioned about like the size of a business or just because you're in the public view, like footballers and football clubs take a lot of heat. But behind the scenes, we don't know their finances. We, we see a football club, I don't know, let's say like a villa, for example, you see a football club, you hear about wages, all salaries. Like all in villa. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you hear about wages, salaries, all of this inflated talk. But we're not on the financial board to say, we've made this much money this year coming in. This is how much money we've got going out. How do we balance the books? So I think from a business point of view, you can see why teams will furlough staff. But from a heart's point of view and just a passionate football fan, I'm scratching my head like, I'm sure there's enough money in the club. Like, you know, like a couple of, keeping on a couple of cleaners and whatever, whether they're in the club or not. If I'm hearing players signing contracts for hundreds of thousands of pounds a week and they might not get furloughed. I'm like scratching my head like, how can you let maybe a shopkeeper or one of the chefs or someone in that sort of realistic job title take a hit, but then you still got the stars that don't. So I'm scratching my head. And another thing is it's all relative to an individual as well like that full-time wage in the club shop or the shed might be the difference between someone paying their rent or being out on the street like if you're saying yeah. we're only going to pay 80 percent, and they might be like well there's no in between for me like some people from a life perspective can't afford to save or have money in the bank for a rainy day because they just yeah, yeah. enough so it can be difficult for some like even from a yeah, person some people i'm not earning what i usually earn right now but i'm I guess i'm one of the lucky ones who's managed to have a little bit of a offer to continue throughout these times well not everyone has got that opportunity or able to do so so for them they could be like well i'm screwed at the minute yeah some people might be living off 90 90 of their salary might be bills life mortgage kids partners everything else so to take a hit from are 100% and, you know, I might have a couple hundred quid left over for myself. You drop someone down to 80% of their wage and they might be scratching their head like, that. that's just bills and life. Like, you're leaving me why, nothing else. Why do the ones have been targeted so much? Just I think they're just easy. The top ones are. I, I think they're just easy targets. We see them every week. We see them every week playing football and they're on TV. They're, they've got media presence. They've got a grip over young people because we look up to them. Like, as kids, we all wanted to be the next Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, like Thierry Henry. I think they're just easy targets. Graham, Graham Sooners as well. Ah. <laughs> 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 
but but I, that's how I see it. I see it as like you're in the limelight, you're living flash. I'm taking a hit. Why aren't you? But we don't know their situation. If if that person's bankrolling, mum, dad, uncle, my family living in Africa. I've got charities set up in China and other sides of the world, and you just you just seeing them in their jag, and you're like just making an assumption. But I don't think other industries are, are getting the same heat just because we don't know her. Like, who's the owner of Southampton or who's the owner of, like, yeah, Arsenal? If you, who's got the biggest shares? Who? How much money has this person have got? Another, but, another thing is, like, um, I feel it's been mentioned before, but people are taking it up with the players. It's the owners of the club that it needs to be. Yeah. They're employees of the club. So yeah, they're you and the, me and you are employees of wherever we were. You wouldn't go and take it up with us, would you? You would go and take it up with management or the boss. So they are scapegoated, unfortunately. And a lot of them are already doing their bit, donating their wages or going out making sure like Marcus Rashford has been doing a hell of a lot for the kids in Manchester. But that's not talked about as much. It's out there, don't get me wrong. You can see it, but it's more out there why footballers getting so much and footballers should come out and pay for the NHS or um, or pay towards the NHS, which is not necessarily right. That's it's a good isn't like forty percent of their isn't like forty percent of their salary tax. Tax anyway. So, yeah. so if you if you um yeah, the taxes are voted things like the NHS. <laughs> so if you earn a hundred grand a week paying forty percent tax, you take home sixty K a week, forty K of that's still going into tax every single week. I'm scratching my head looking at the government department like if you just had to calculate footballers' tax alone, how are we mismanaging this? Where is this going? But that, that's another question. <laughs> One of those startling things that I find whenever, a, a, every so often, these things tend to pop up on the internet where a player's payroll gets, whose pay packet gets exposed or leaked or whatever. You look at those figures and you see, I've never seen like seven, eight numbers next to like tax deductions before in my life. <laughs> it's just a, astronomical figures um jake why do you think then that clubs have done a u-turn the ones that did choose to furlough in the first place fan pressure literally just because of fan pressure um i think people just moaning them like you've just said everybody else apart from those teams (laughs) are paying their staff so they looked bad didn't they just in the premier league but i reckon if you used to go down the championship league one league two you'd pick out teams that have furloughed as well I think because of the Premier League, the the quality of it, you know, the the exclusive club kind of thing, um, they're being made to look like a fool. And a couple of these clubs, they're saying that. Yeah. That's what I reckon. Oh, it can only be that, really. Yeah. Bit of social media backlash. Yeah, I think it's just a bad look from a PR perspective more than anything else. Um, again, to bring us up to date, and I think we often forget lower down the the structure of of the football, um, the tiers. The EFL and the PFA issued a joint statement yesterday. So concerning League One and League Two players, and it's a recommendation that they've made, but the players take a 25% deferral. So they will eventually get their full pay, but it's obviously a deferred payment for a number of weeks. But players that earn under £2,500 a month, so you are talking your very first sort of contract where you're on £500, £600 a week as sort of a first-year pro, they'll still be paid in full. And in terms of championship clubs, um, they've said that they are free to make a decision on an individual basis, depending on what their needs are and stuff. So I can see the situation is very different in terms of non-league, League Two, League One sort of clubs where they really haven't got cash flow. And I've worked at these sorts of clubs where you really have to justify I mean, from our point of view, just talking on experience, when I was working in League One, you have to justify financially just to get any new piece of kit or any bit of budget for everything. I think everyone thinks of football being cash rich, but at that sort of level, the purse strings, and it should be that way because this is why so many clubs have gone out of business and have been in such financial trouble like your Berries and Boltons and whoever else because they run poorly, but they literally are. I know that players are still getting a healthy pay packet and we can argue about that all day long, but in terms of a staffing sort of situation, it's really difficult at that level to get any sort of budget out of a football club. So I think that's, I think they are two different animals, just the gap between Premier League and the Championship now, which is 
unbelievably rich compared to what it was being 10, 15 years ago. And you're talking... I think, I think like what Josh said, though, we don't know what, let's say, Bournemouth, who have made a U-turn. You know when they made the decision initially? Mm. Clearly, there's a point of finances involved in that. And then, then who are we to say that they're wrong for making that decision? Yeah, so, you you, so I pulled up some stats just as we were talking. Um, obviously, companies house publish um, turnover, waste bills and profits before tax uh, of every Premier League football club every year. So this is going back two seasons, so it's a ballpark figure. But if you look at Bournemouth, say, um, Bournemouth made a loss of £11 million in the 17-18 season. Brighton made a profit of £12 million. Burnley made a profit of 45 million. This is all before tax, so you can almost half these figures. So you're not talking profits in the hundreds of million pounds. And if you're a Spurs, for instance, who have about 550 staff that they initially furloughed, if each of them are on an average wage of, let's say, 20, 25K, whatever it might be, even London living, you've, you're still racking up quite a hefty That's wage. A lot of money, man. A lot of money. So I think it is more nuanced than people want to believe. It's easy to paint things black and white and say it's a disgrace going one way and you're an angel doing it another, I think. But when you really break it down and look at the nuances, I think from a PR point of view, it stinks. Is And like you say, Jake, I think that's the main reason why a lot of these have done U-turns is that it doesn't sit right with a lot of punters that football club owners that take players away from it because I agree players shouldn't be held responsible for any of this and this the work that Jordan Henderson led when all the players I don't know if you yeah, saw across it's, the Twitter it's profiles yeah he sort of got them all together and led discussions where they agreed that a massive pot's almost being created it's going to go to a whole host of NHS charities across the country it's just unbelievable stuff but so I, I, I put the player argument to one side this is more gripe with owners who are um, especially your Spurs and Liverpool type clubs who are making that much money. I think the furlough system, and it may be a loophole with the whole system, is in place. So rather than sacking people, you get to keep their jobs. I don't think there's a danger that maybe a Spurs or a Liverpool would have to sack these staff. Maybe we're just out the loop in terms of, like you say, the actual finances involved. But I feel like it's almost taking advantage of a system that's not there for football clubs. This is for you small, medium businesses who would literally have to sack people and put them out of a living in a time where you don't know where your next paper check is going to come from. And this is a great little scheme that's in place. So I think it's maybe taking advantage of a loophole in the system and maybe the government has to look at it and maybe tighten up who can apply for it and who can benefit from it. Because like we all say, at the end of the day, football clubs are businesses. If they can take advantage of this scheme that's available, you better believe that these rich businessmen who love to keep their money in their pocket are going to do so. So... It's um like we've said, it's it's more of a nuanced yeah. discussion than I think I think many people would want to believe. Um, moving on, Klopp on Mane, something that popped up probably over a week ago now. Um, so I just want to read out his quote so we know exactly what we're talking about because you see a lot of headlines and we want to make sure that we're accurate. So Klopp was talking about Sadio Mane. And word for word, this was his quote. Um, I remember my first encounter with Sadio. It was in Dortmund. There was a really young guy sitting there. His baseball cap was askew and the blonde streak he still has today. He looked like a rapper just starting out. I thought, I don't have time for this. <laughs> Our team back then wasn't really bad. Uh, I needed someone who could handle not being a starter at the very beginning, someone, uh, someone I could develop. I'd say I have a pretty good feeling about people, but to... But I was wrong. I followed his further career and continued success at Salzburg in Southampton. He just dominated. CJ, thoughts on Jurgen Klopp's comments, please. Well, it's it's just the world we live in, man. It's no excuse, don't get me wrong. But it all comes down to stereotypes and prejudice. And even from not from a footballing perspective, like we go through these kind of things in general daily life and it's not it's not ideal and it's not nice and it shouldn't be the case because he could have easily missed out on a great player if if he had those well if he continued to have those views or take a gamble on the situation so and then it's almost from say Mane's point of view he could look at that and he could say like well that is just me that is just my personality and you're judging me for it thinking I'm like so-and-so or I'm as if doing that. So you're already painting a picture before you've met me, which will he have done that if he was white or any other colour? Maybe not, who knows? But it just, then you look from a situation of him being, say, 
because he's black, it may come that come come down to like, so what is does that mean I've got to work ten times harder to get to be noticed just because you assume I dress like a rapper? What does a rapper even dress like? You could even say because I mean, I wear a chain sometimes. I haven't got a nice car. I might have a nice watch. So does that mean I dress like a rapper? There's a time where rappers wore free in polo shirts and backpacks, so it changes with everything. Exactly, exactly. So I just, it's the world we live in, and it? We're never going to get out of it. There's always going to be stereotypes, prejudice, all those kind of things. I don't think we'll ever get away from that. We'll never keep racism completely out of football. Um, it's just the way, way it is. But it's like, in the comments never got as much flack as I thought they would have, kind of thing. It, like, I can, he might have just said it how it is because at the end of the day, he's probably just honest as well. That's what I thought. And yeah. so there's two ways you can look at it. But in an ideal world, I'm not, it's hard, it's, it's difficult to say because he's essentially being honest in a way. That's what his first impressions were. That's what he if, if, if Big Sam says it, does this get more traction or not? Or less? More, I think. Yeah, yeah more. Yeah, definitely more, I'd say so myself, personally. Personally, yeah. That just claps a bit of a media pile and everyone loves him. Yeah, 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 kind of thing. Yeah. But that's the thing. I think think it's just honest comments. And I think everyone just makes an assumption of who they are. We've we've probably all done it. We've probably all heard it when we're down. Especially, like, Sunday League, Saturday League. Ah, get the guy with the flash boots. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. when you see someone in bright coloured boots, like even when I grew up playing football, like like boot, my dad would always be like, "Get black boots," and I was like, "Why?" And he's like, "You know, you don't want to be flash, you don't want to be out there." And I'm, yeah, yeah, I've no. never understood why, and I think it's the same as that. The moment you get different haircuts, you know, add a bit of blonde, you know, express yourself in your clothing and stuff. And if we're going back, how long ago was this? Like what? eight years, seven yeah. years ago. Yeah. So if you're thinking like times then to times now are very different, you're talking like 2013-ish, like to 2020. Now you can wear whatever you want. Not many people say too much, but you go back to them times, even though it's not that long ago, the world was a very different place, a very different place. And we've come forward very quickly. So I think it's him saying honest comments then, or him thinking that then would have been very different to him saying it in 2020 now. He can say it now and people will be like, oh my God, you shouldn't say that. But if he said that back then when everyone was being flash and everyone was having blonde in their hair and all sorts, but then I don't think it's a race thing because remember when David Beckham was changing his hair for fun and like he would get, like, he would get grief if he didn't perform well. Remember when David Beckham had braids? Yeah, like, like look at, like even look at Pogba now. He wore a a sarong, mate. (laughs) I think think what people tend to forget, everyone's different and we all come from different cultures as well. Like, if you look at, say, like most of French... You know, in Germany, that might not have been any kind of stereotypical comment, you know? Yeah, exactly. It all depends. Like, it's it's like back to the whole thing with um, ages ago with... Evra and Suarez, whatever Suarez said, apparently back in his country is not seen as racist. Yeah, I'm calling bullshit, man. He's a racist. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm calling bullshit. Said, <laughs> I think, I'm not saying I'm agreeing with it, but like it all comes down to like respective of where you're from. Like they're always yeah. talking about Parker always dancing, but he's of he's of African heritage. Yeah, like yeah. If you go to anywhere in Africa, everyone is going to be dancing no matter what. I seen a funeral. They were going to a funeral and they were dancing on the street to a funeral. Like, it's all expressive and different cultures do different things and whatever. So some people are going to jazz up their hair and are going to do those yeah. kind of things. Could he, could he, this is me just playing devil's advocate, I don't necessarily believe this way of thinking, but to, to put a, an opposing viewpoint out, could he have been just saying, I don't want to take on a player who comes with a bit of baggage, who likes the fashion side of things and likes to be flamboyant. I just need someone who's middle of the road, Gary Neville, just interested in 
playing football and I don't need a sort of player who's going to be interested in anything outside. Whether we think that's right or wrong, could that be what he's getting at, Jake, maybe? Possibly. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. I'm just trying I, to think where he's thinking. I, that's from. what it is. Like, devil's advocate can make you think that way, and, mm. but I think from us, like, we all are in agreement that you can't say that. Yeah. And I can't really justify in my head how you say it meaning any kind of good or anything. Like, you've just stereotyped the boy. You've looked at him. you thought, hmm, rappers. Rappers, black people. <laughs> let's be real. Like, let's call it what it is. And he's gone, you got a baseball cap? You got a chain? Nah, you're one of them. You are. Like, you're, you're, you're one of nah, not really feeling that. But then, obviously, as you said, he's followed his career. And then he was wrong because he's got to know the boy. So it's kind of the old thing, don't judge a book by its cover. And he's done a lot for his like hometown and his community. Yeah, massive, yeah. is it? Yeah, yeah. No. Did you see he's brought down iPhone when he was walking in uh, Anfield? Yeah. yeah. Often players, a lot of players do do that. And like, it's almost comes back to the point where you've seen all these idiots on Twitter when people are donating money, like millionaires, and they're like, it's only 1.0.4% of your annual salary. Like, first of all, what are you donating? And number two, it's still a large amount of money. And just because you haven't taken it to social media doesn't mean that you're not doing anything. Exactly. Yeah. That's my big thing, because I reckon there's so many people out there that are like doing, as you, like Jordan Henderson, he didn't have to come out to the press and say, we've already done this. Yeah. The press made him do it yeah. because people are on footballers' backs. But these lot are saying, we've already got this in place. Yeah. Yeah. So um, um, I think Klopp was wrong, but like, as, as I said, I don't know what it's like to live in Germany. I don't know what it's, you know, culturally, what's acceptable and not acceptable. And that's the thing, like... I think Germany I, might be all cushy. Yeah, but even, like, looking at it from a club point of view, like him, what type of player... I'm playing devil's advocate here, but if you're thinking, I've got to build a 23, 26-man squad, I need everyone to have the right mindset, we're trying to push for the league, there's jobs on the line if performance is low. Do I do I risk it on someone I don't know or do I risk it on someone I do know? If you're thinking, like, I don't know what it's like to be a pro footballer, but I'm assuming you must spend a lot of time with the group, whether you're on the field, off the field, you've got a click personality-wise. Do you really want to risk team chemistry over one judgment? Like, it, I don't know that side of things but maybe that's why he's thought that back in the day because we can all make assumptions of the whole name you know know one thing I'd say about transfers Mm -hmm. is you hear it in a lot of things people know people from clubs you don't really buy an unknown character true true and that's the thing like even you look at it now like look at Ravel Morrison prime example like I remember them touting him to be best natural talent since Ronaldo at United, but everywhere he's gone, everywhere he's gone, he's had issues. So even if he's turned around and cleaned up his attitude, (laughs) (laughs) but even if even if he's cleaned up his attitude now, a a manager's still gonna like chance him. Like and and that's probably what Klopp's thought. He's probably like, ah, I might have had a bad experience in the past with a rapper lookalike. Do I want to risk it for what's going on right now with my club and Dortmund and the career, etc.? You know what I think? I think especially in terms of like British pundits as well, they pay far too much attention to external factors sometimes. And these external factors don't always make a difference yeah. the way someone's playing. Like a haircut or the car you drive or being flash is not... Doesn't define you as a person, yeah. But was hair. How many times have we heard pundits say Pogba's playing crap because of his hair? He spends too much time on social media. <laughs> What's he meant to do? What's he meant when he's not on the pitch? He's entitled to a normal life yeah. outside of the pitch, outside of ninety minutes of work. He can do whatever he wants as wow. long as he delivers. Like, and that's how I see it. If I'm at work, I'm at work. If I'm at home, I'm at home. If I'm at home and I put up a picture, I don't want my boss texting me and calling me like Josh can you delete that picture please I'm like it's my life so look it's I think footballers are easy targets to get at I think they're just very easy targets to get at 
No, I sort of agree. And a lot of the time, even just from a personal experience, it correlates with how um, the perception would be if Man United are winning the league and doing as well as Liverpool are, nobody's talking about Pogba's hair or any of that stuff. But because they've had a bit of an iffy season, because question marks have been asked of Pogba, he's been in and out of the team, mystery injuries, all that, makes for a great headline to concentrate on Paul Pogba's hairline. And also, and also clickbait stuff, yeah. which is sadly the world we live in now. Like me, Especially sort of mainstream media or traditional media forms now depends solely on that much clickbait that anything with a Pogba line in it about his hair sadly will attract people to go and click onto it so unfortunately players are going to cop flack for whatever they do but I and I often find this when we'll try and put a bit of media out that's a bit quirky of a player doing something a bit different they're not training so it might be just a bit of a light-hearted fun that they're having if we're performing particularly well at that time supporters are fully on board of it we could put that same bit of content out six months down the line when we're having a bit of a blip doing exactly the same thing and complete rage from the supporters and they don't want to see it. why is he doing that when he should be contracting his football they're not going to train 12 18 hours a day like they're literally in from 10 in the morning till 1 2 in the afternoon there's a hell of a lot of time outside of the training ground unfortunately they're allowed to have lives whether people like it or not so I often think footballers cop it particularly badly and I know we're yeah, just drifting off a little bit in terms of the topic. But yeah, I especially think that sometimes players get bad flack. And I'm, CJ, I completely agree. Players are free to do whatever they want to do outside of football. Just make sure that when they turn up at three o'clock on a Saturday, they're performing. Yeah. And Beckham done stuff for years. I mean, I know Fergie ends up getting rid of it because he didn't like it. But look, we've already mentioned the haircuts, the fashion, the missus who's in a pop band at the time. He's on Billboard. He was kind of the one to start it all off, wasn't he, really? When you, when yeah, you really look at it, he kind of started yeah. the big brand. Yeah, yeah. that's the only player to a brand. and. It's like, like even when Sterling was getting all that grief. Remember when he? Remember when there was a petition going round for him to um, come home early from one of the World Cups or something? Like that's awful. And then he Mate, plays for Man City. Yeah, and he's well, on... The geezer had a tattoo of a god on his leg, and he was like, they wanted to amputate his fucking yeah. leg off. <laughs> oh. I was like, like, when you're reading it, I'm thinking, what are they talking about here? What world are we living in where the geezer can't have a title of whatever he wants? Nah, but that's the that's the sun though as well, man. You got whatever yeah. they say, just yeah, throw it in the bin, on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so cup, I think, and and also just going back to the Mane issue, it effectively is a huge compliment to say to Mane now the fact that Klopp's had to come out and admit that yeah, you know what, I got this wrong. Like regardless of what I thought about him at the time. I watched his career and it didn't affect what he was doing because at Salzburg he was class and Southampton he was electric and at the end of the day now he's had to almost uh, take a bit of humble pie and his comments surfacing because he got it horribly wrong. So a big compliment to Mane and how he hasn't quite clearly can park whatever he does outside of football um, to one side and, and he can concentrate on his football and it's no different to any other player. Uh, big clubs this is the one that popped up in the whatsapp chat a little earlier we won't spend too much time in it but first of all i just want to get your definitions of what the three of you would deem to be a big club so jake if you start us off on this one um your trophy cabinet that's got to be a, a something um i'd say your effect on football maybe so what have you dominated a period of football so we talk about, uh, I know earlier we spoke about Nottingham Forest. They get an argument because they dominated a certain period of football time, yeah. especially European as well. Um, and I think you've also got to add, add now as well. Like what's the club, how has the club moved into now, so to speak? Put all of that together, your fan base, you know, your stadium. Has it, has it even been used for big events? Even little things like that because they'll use big clubs only. I think all that into a pot you get your big clubs. Yeah, I agree with much of that. Although I do know that Alton John performed at Colchester and Warsaw a few years ago. So, but... <laughs> <laughs> big, big club, Warsaw. The only, <laughs> only team in Warsaw. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Josh, what are you saying on this one? Nah, I'm, I'm a big believer of silverware. Um, I think what Jake mentioned there, size of a fan base, revenue, what's your stadium used for, I think they can put you on a level. 
but until you win that silverware, you don't enter the club. Because it's like... Spurs a big club. Now, in my, I'm an Arsenal fan, so no, they'll never be a big club. I'd argue they're growing. They're, I think they're growing. I think Spurs are growing. Yeah. But... But you, don't think think, they've, you don't think they've grown over the past 10 years? No, oh, look at this. Like, they've kind of plateaued a bit from the past. No, to be fair, they got to a Champions League final last year, didn't they? Yeah, oh, like, <laughs> come on, guys. But I think... I think give them a bit of credit, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> they, they have grown. Look at them 10 years ago with one knee, Ledley King at the back, um, and just complete chaos to where they are now. You say fair play. But until they win... A trophy, whether it's an FA Cup, Champions League, League, any trophy, people won't. I won't take them seriously because what, what are you going to do? You're gonna... I wouldn't say that they're a big club. I'd say they're a growing club, though. Yeah, I think growing growing is fair, but big club, then they're, they're not in that category. They're not in that bracket yet. To to turn around and say, oh, we were great for three, four years, but we're nothing. Like football is a results business. Like you get home, we all go to work for results of whether you've done a good job today, tomorrow, you know, your next step in your career. I'm not just sitting here for 10 years to be like, ah, oh, we played great football and won nothing. Yeah. Steve Jones, someone who supports a club that everyone says in the same breath are one of the biggest clubs in the world, what do you deem as a big club? Trophies, 100%. Relevance to the present as well. I think we're just about still a big club. <laughs> How? Dan Jane. <laughs> Stay this it feels like it's starting to go down, but I mean <laughs> we still can attract what we call top players. Um still pretty good good revenues as well. So got, hold on, sorry to interrupt. You know how you mentioned you attract top players? Is that you attract top players because of the club, or is it you attract top players because you've got the highest wage bill in the league? Fear both. <laughs> in current like as a footballer now like let's say Jaden Sancho for example would you move to Man United right now in in the yeah. I wouldn't yeah. personally as the player <laughs> Sancho is touted to be however I feel the why not being yeah. I just I just don't think that is the right platform of club right now like I still don't feel I know the season's been postponed for whatever. I still don't think Man United are going anywhere just yet. So anti-Oli, mate. It's so anti-Oli. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I, just, uh, I don't know. I just... Yeah, we've had a few good results or... But you've got a few like good youngsters there. You, you know, you got Wan-Bissaka at the right-back just to just chill for you. You'll have him. You've got Marshall. You've got your Rashford. You've got your Brunos. I know, you've but Spoken, you got your your Maguire at centre back. You got the Herring goal. So you've got a decent enough team. So why not come in and add to it? Yeah, he could do. Or because oh, where else does he go? Where else does he go? Yeah, it's true, because does he does is he going back to City? Mm. Probably not. No. I don't think he'd go back to City now. I don't think. I don't think he went nah. back to City. Would he start? I don't think he starts. Where at if, City? If he goes back to City. Well, it depends on Sané. I think it's not. Nah, I don't think... Because you got I Sané, Mahrez, Bernardo, Sterling. Better than any of them. Yeah. So, no. Like 20. Yeah, I don't think he's better than Sané. I don't think he's better than Sterling. I don't think he's better than Mahrez. And I don't think he's better than Bernardo Suva, who sometimes plays on the wings. So, I don't think he starts. Liverpool, he probably don't start. So, you're probably right in saying Man United or a Chelsea is where... He goes from Dortmund. I can also see him looking at Chelsea. I think Chelsea would be a good name for him. I yeah. think Chelsea would be good. And uh, the thing is, with, with their wingers coming out of contract, with Pedro and William coming out of contract, you've got yeah, him yeah. and Pulisic on the no, wing. Yeah, getting no younger, those two. It's like you say, Pulisic and Sancho. Pulisic, Sancho, Hudson-Odoi and Tammy up front. It's a lot more exciting than... Um, under uh, Solskjaer, who's just playing counter-attack with Dan James on the wing and, like, what? I don't get it. You hate Dan <laughs> James, <laughs> don't you? He's just not my fan. He's, I'm just not a fan. CJ, I sort of agree with what he's saying. I still think for a young 20-year-old, there's a bit of magic around Old Trafford because of the Fergie days, because it's Man United and 
stepping into Old Trafford still on a Friday night or a Champions League night would still be a massive attraction for someone. And then you add to the fact that they're willing to pay you one fifty, two hundred thousand pounds a week. That's a massive attraction still for Sancho. Yeah, of course, of course. I don't deny that. I'm just I'm trying to just look at it from like a player perspective and like where I want to go. However, it's difficult to say. Like, I mean, we've got United have got Bruno in now. Pogba looks like he's staying. Um, so then, like Jake was saying, you do have still some got some quality players, and they are obviously going to add to that when the time is right or when the transfer window does open. Um, and as you say, where else does he go? So it might be the next step for him because I, I, I imagine he doesn't want to be playing in Germany for Dortmund all his life. Yeah, so well then what about, what about like your Real Madrid and Barca's? Yeah, yeah. like, like Galactico in that all-white kit. Under yeah, like, is he ready for that yet? I don't know. He went to Dortmund. He went to Dortmund. So he's, he's quite clearly happy to go abroad and Spain yeah. would be an easier way. He's to... clearly confident in himself, isn't he? Yeah. That's yeah. one thing yeah. I did to him. For him to walk away from Man City when he did. Yeah. I think Barca or Real Madrid, because the thing is, if you join Barca or Real Madrid, and let's say it doesn't work out in two years, he can still join a United. He's not going to completely fall off a cliff. If he goes to a United and it doesn't work out for him, then fair enough, he might have maybe less options. But if you go to Barcelona and it doesn't work out, like anyone in the Prem would be like, oh, he's Barcelona standard, yeah. I'll buy him. So I, if I was him, I'd just flip a coin, chance it, and just see what happens in life. I'd just be like, <laughs> flip, a coin. <laughs> flip a coin, flip a coin, and I'd be like, oh, like he could. How old? Even if he's twenty now, he could go to a Real Madrid, not do well, and at like twenty three, twenty four, still come and join a United, where United will be like, we can have him for the next six or seven years at twenty four ish push on like I think he should just risk it and just say let's see what happens yeah it was a topic we started off on big clubs but obviously we veered off a little bit to transfer talk which is inevitable um it's another thing that's probably going to be affected by this whole coronavirus situation players contracts are up on June 30th so depending on when the season finishes where does the transfer market go will it be as busy will clubs be obviously um, tightening the purse strings because of the whole situation, the cash flow. It'd be interesting summer if we get one in terms of the transfer window. Uh, footballers appearing on Tory Lane's IG stream. Another headline. <laughs> Another headline. Uh, a whole host of... Quarantine, quarantine, quarantine. <laughs> uh, Walker, Rashford, Sancho... He's in the building. He's in the building. <laughs> Even Scott McTominay was on there, apparently. Has anyone got a problem with it, or is it the end of a Sun headline that they're making something out of? Another Sun headline? Come on, man. You're How can you get in trouble for watching somebody else's live Instagram? Come on. Yeah, like, it's just having a good time while you're at home. Yeah, and everyone's stated, that at, least, at least then you know players are staying at home, potentially. I'm not saying you can't like, watch a live Instagram from being out on the street, but you want, you want these guys that are in the public eye to be adhering to these things and doing a stay at home, which kind of we can might be able to dive into the whole Jack Grealish incident the other week ago when he came out and made a video apparently about staying at home and then was caught lagging. <laughs> I'm sure Jake will have a lot to say, but and uh, with Dale in here as well. Yeah, I just think it's, Again, like what we were talking about earlier, man. These guys are human beings, man. They've got normal life as well, man. Let them do their thing. They're not hurting anybody. They're not essentially acting inappropriate or anything like that. So, yeah, if they want to watch a live of someone twerking or entertainment, let them. They're not doing anything wrong, in my eyes, personally, anyway. Click, it's clickbait again. You even have to look at the Sun headline. I've got it up here. Twerking from home. So they even found a way of getting every footballer's name in the headline. It's just shit clickbait from a shit paper, ultimately. And it's just not even news. No one gives a shit what they do in their own time, providing that, like you say, they're behind closed doors and adhering to the restrictions that each and every one of us have to do. So it's a non-story for me anyway. I wouldn't even give them the oxygen of publicity because it's nothing. Um, finally, I want to settle on an opinion uh, in a couple of lines because we could be here for ages. Gigs or Pires and why? Uh, CJ. 
Um, Giggs, um, obviously, you could say I've got a Man United bias, but um, all round great performer. Longevity as well. I'm not saying longevity makes you a good player, but come on. He, he he was better than Pires. Like, it does make you a good player, though, CJ, because you can't play at the top level of the Premier League yeah, for 20 odd years at supposedly the best team and be crap. I agree. You've yeah, got to be level, isn't it? I agree with that. I agree with that, yeah. I suppose when you put it That's like, almost saying somebody like Fernando Hierro from Real Madrid was absolutely crap because he was at Real Madrid for however long, mm. com- comparing to someone who Barca brought in. Mm. And then suddenly this fast player's better because he was all right, but Hierro was there from long time. I, I think Giggs all day, man. Yeah, Giggs, yeah. And okay, as technically as a footballer, maybe no, he's not as probably not as good as Perez. But no, it's not technical. It's not as technical. Perez can do some tricks and he's yeah. got some wonderful so, right foot, left yeah. foot. But well, effectiveness in a pitch, Giggs for me. Yeah, and he, he was versatile as well. He adopted his career to play central midfield in his later years as well when he couldn't get up and down the wing and so mm-hmm. forth. So, yeah, where did Perez go? Like, with his peg leg? So He went he went to Villa's centre midfield and played nine games. Yeah. Absolutely dead. Yeah, he was dark shit, I remember, actually. But, um, you end up there, you know. Who well, yeah. so are, we at, are we looking at someone's whole career? Or are we Come on, Josh. Come on, Josh. Give me that devil's advocate shit now. I'm ready. <laughs> are we looking at someone's whole career to say, oh, Giggs did it at United? Or are we looking at, like, pure results? Because Perez was an invincible. Like, that isn't no easy feat. That is, in that team, with the results, with everything that's going on, to win Premier League and go undefeated all season is something that's just not done. So, fair enough. He might have poured out everything for them however long at Arsenal. And then his legs were probably gone when he moved on to Villa. Like, does that make him a bad player? No. But Ryan, Gig- Ryan Giggs scored in every Premier League season he played in. For 20 years. And then won, however, he won 13 Premier Leagues, won two Champions League, countless FA Cup, countless League Cups. So, I, I get you're, you're pinpointing periods on one season. You can't chat. Maybe, maybe a question. Does is a prime Pires better than a prime Giggs? No. I'm picking. Yeah. Giggs. Yeah. 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 A prime Pires is better than a prime Giggs, but career-wise, Giggs was better. I think I'd go along with that. You know. Yeah. I'm not happy about it, but I see <laughs> where you're going. <laughs> So and maybe, maybe because we didn't see Perez from 17, that we don't really know how yeah. great he was. But mm. we can only judge from what we see, and yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. You only can judge someone on their performances. And Perez, yeah, he, I think he was good. I think quality on his day, especially like that little period of the Invincibles and all around that. And fair enough, we sold him on to Villa, and the rest of his career happened. But what are you saying, Dale? Uh, I, sort of I sort of agree with the argument that Giggs has just been there consistently, and Fergie went through cycles of teams, and he never he never looked to replace him really. Mm. So for, for that reason, yeah, I agree. Longevity you can be in a league for your whole career in the Premier League. Don't mean that you're better than another player, but for him to be performing at that level so consistently for that amount of time, and he was a, just a phenomenal player as well. But I. I also think that's why I sort of shifted the question if you look at them in their prime just the very best season of Ryan Giggs is he better than the very best Robert Perez it's sort of a different question so in this if we're just talking about Perez or Giggs you have to go with Giggs how many trophies did he have again Jake Giggs I think 13 Premier Leagues is it wow two Champions Leagues yeah because that's the thing even if you turn around now and go I've won, won four, five, won, six premiums. <laughs> he won um, 34 players, 34 trophies, so 13 Premier Leagues, four FA Cups, three League Cups, two Champions Leagues, a Super Cup, an Intercontinental Cup, a FIFA Club World Cup, and nine Community Shields. Wow. <laughs> it's just a dominant team, a dominant era that he was a big part of. So. But like you said, he was always the mainstay in that team. Yeah, Man, you never ever brought a left winger to replace him. Until yeah. the latter years. Yeah. Fair. 
but it's a it's an interesting debate, one that could rage on. But anyway, guys, I don't know if you've got any other topics you want to touch upon before we call it a day. Uh, not really. No, it's it's, it's just nothing. We're covered football. <laughs> wait and see, isn't it? Now it's it's a bit of wait and see and see how things move on and progress now if there's light at the end of the tunnel and when we're going to get back because I think yeah as we've already mentioned off camera it's, I think we're all just missing our football fix of weekends or just even getting out playing it if you don't play in it watching it if you don't watch in a stadium just being able to put Sky Sports on and just see some some football and I'm the sort of football fan that will turn on and watch Southend against Gillingham on a Friday night if it's mm. on so I just miss getting a football fix anyway so it's um yeah. Sky Sports are doing all right though with the, like the classic games and stuff. Yeah. They're bringing yeah. out a lot of, lot of like games that I've totally forgot about. To be fair, yeah, yeah a lot of archive stuff. But um, yeah, we'll wait and see anyway. So yeah, guys, thank Dad, you. Dad, when Villa beat Blues three one, you remember Cahill? Uh, well, I know you sort of live in the past, so there's plenty of stuff. That you... <laughs> <laughs> I was actually at that game, uh, funnily enough, in the away end. Yeah, I do remember that one. Yeah. Yeah, they had the game on the other day. Good watch that was. Yeah, no, I bet it was. Uh, Jake, <laughs> Josh, and uh, CJ dressed as a rapper. Thank you ever so much for your. Uh... <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you ever so much for your time again. And uh, yes, yeah, good to catch up with you all. All right. Yeah, man. Peace out, people. All right. Cheers, See man. All. See you in a bit, boys.